This is Brandon Ayuk, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Week 10 edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and let's get right to it because we've only got a couple of weeks left here. The trade deadline in most fantasy leagues passes around the 20th of November, usually no later than Thanksgiving. That means that it is time for us to switch gears with only a couple weeks left here to make some important deals. And, you know, we need to... Keep in mind, big picture at this point, that throughout the season, we've been doing so much maintenance on the entirety of our roster, building depth and talent across our, you know, the, the starting lineups and even our benches so that we can fade the attrition of the season and the bye weeks and just accumulate as much talent as possible so we can leverage it, you know, in, in the trade market and also just to wield a very powerful team all season long. And now the time has come that we can begin to look ahead a little bit towards the fantasy playoffs, especially now that the trade deadline is nearing. We have to, it kind of forces us to say, what are the final trades that we'd like to make? And the highest and best use of the trade market these last few weeks here is to prepare for a huge playoff run. What we want to do at this point is we want to focus on our starting lineups. It doesn't do us a lot of good to go into the fantasy playoffs with a bunch of good players on our bench that either give us headaches in terms of sit-start decisions or it's kind of just wasted equity on our bench that we really can't exercise. We can't get the most out of it in the playoffs. So what we need is we need mega starting lineups, almost of cartoonish proportions that we can go nuclear with on our opponents here down the stretch. So once again, the big picture focus as we switch gears here to late season strategy in the trade market is to focus on creating the most formidable starting lineups possible. Even if that means taking some of this additional equity on our bench, packaging it together, and kind of front-loading it into our starting lineup by making big monster trades where even if we have to quote-unquote overpay, that's okay at this time of the season because, again, some of those assets will eventually just rot on your bench and that value will evaporate as the season wears on, as we get to the playoffs. And uh, that's not going to really do you uh, that much good at this point. So if you can, if you're in the position to do it, and we'll kind of break down uh, the variety of scenarios you may be in here in a second – you are willing to quote unquote overpay if you're in the driver's seat right now to bring home some of the biggest fish in all of fantasy football in order to maximize the prowess of your starting lineup. And look, I recognize not everybody's quite in that bucket. We have people that are either totally out of it who may or may not even want to do deals at this point in the season. They may have given up on their fantasy season. I still recommend for anybody out there looking to do trades, the first thing you look for are the losing teams in your league. Start trying to pick off any of the good players that they have 
remaining there. Also want to look at the teams in your league that are on the bubble. They're you're kind of in that log jam in the middle like so many teams are in leagues right now just kind of trying to elbow each other out of the way for those last few playoff spots. And the thing is there's a couple of teams there. I mean, there's there's teams that are let's call it 500 at this point. Actually, nobody's 500 because we've had 9 games. So let's say there's teams that are 5 and 4, 4 and 5 or Maybe even three and six. Some of those teams are in that situation because they're thin. They're thin teams that are still having trouble filling out the most competitive starting lineups that they possibly can. You need to recognize if that's the reason that you are in the middle of the pack. Potentially even more importantly is to recognize when you're in the middle of the pack but you have a damn good team that's rich with depth. And that's going to put you in a different position than maybe those other teams that are floating around 500 that are short on quality of depth. Those teams still may need to look to liquidate in order to bring home the best players they can for this week and next week and for the foreseeable future to get some of those wins to get into the playoff race here down the stretch and to become competitive. For the teams that recognize, hey, I'm I'm 4-5, and five, but I've got a hell of a good team with a lot of good players here I've just been unlucky. I've had a lot of points scored against me or whatever it is, the situation that's, uh, that, that uh, it's resulted in. If you recognize your team is good and chock full of depth, then even you at maybe a team that's four and five or three and six or five and four, you guys are around 500, you guys are still, I would say at this point, in the market to consolidate some of that te- uh, depth and see if you can beef up the headliners on top of that starting lineup. And then we have, of course, the teams that are, you know, up in the standings right now. There's teams that are, that have a a good lead, but maybe they need to be weary of protecting that lead and not leave themselves too thin here down the stretch. You know, maybe it's the opposite of what we talked about. Maybe there's teams that have a winning record that have gotten a little bit lucky to be there at this point. They need to recognize what their situation is. Of course, the ultimate position to be in is to be a fantasy-rich team living the life of lavish luxury uh, at the top of your standings, You know, headed towards that week one uh, fantasy playoff by, you know, kind of lo- beginning to lock up that one or two seed. And a team that not only has a great starting lineup but a terrific bench, you guys are in prime position to, again, quote-unquote, overpay to go after the biggest names of fantasy football to uh, try to widen that distance between yourself and the people behind you because it's tough. You, you, you win all regular season and then you get into that fantasy tournament and it can be one and done. You want to make sure and try to preserve all the good work you've put in this year and the best way to do that is to keep beefing up that starting lineup. All right, let's hop right into the sell side of the Week 10 fantasy football trade market. We'll begin with the running back portion of that market. As is oftentimes true on this podcast, as a matter of fact, I would recommend that you treat this as the rule when you listen to this podcast. Um, Most of these guys aren't must-sells or must-buys. These are guys that sell them if you can be opportunistic and capitalize on a big opportunity. Buy them if you can uh, be opportunistic or if there is a a purchasing moment that exists in your league because an owner is under duress or because... 
of something circumstantial that's going on. Like we say, oftentimes buys and injuries can even create kind of artificial opportunities uh, to to buy on some certain players. And, you know, the thing I'm reminded of oftentimes too as I do this podcast is a lot of these players are 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 just guys that are on the forefront of people's minds this week in terms of the trade market in terms of what do I do with this guy? How do I value this guy? And whether they ultimately end up on the buy side or the sell side, the people that we talk about today, the players we talk about today, generally speaking, they are, there's a, there's a pretty ripe opportunity that on some trade market somewhere in some league, uh, these guys are at least it's being contemplated what to, what to do with each of these players. And I will begin with an example that I saw over on the message boards at rosterwatch.com where I like to check in on you guys and see what you're up to. And sometimes I take my trade ideas from there because I can see what the public's up to, what the markets are up to. And I saw a very interesting and compelling trade that I thought was very fair come across the message boards at rosterwatch.com. And the centerpiece of that deal was Alvin Kamara, running back, New Orleans Saints, 22 touches per game. This season, RB4 on the year in terms of half-point PPR points per game uh, over the course of this season. It's been a really solid and consistent year for Alvin Kamara. He's gotten the massive volume, as much as you could have ever hoped for. You know, I do think his owners uh, maybe haven't gotten quite as many of the monster games that they'd hoped for this season. And that maybe his owners are also feeling a little touch of uncertainty on the horizon surrounding the quarterback situation there in New Orleans. And now they've seen the acquisition of Mark Ingram, who came in strong with 14 touches and five targets last week. Uh, Kamara didn't have that many more touches than Ingram last week. It was a two to one on the snap counts, but it was still a 70 sub 70% snap count for Kamara. So, the trade offer I saw come through on Roster Watch was somebody did a deal Alvin Kamara for Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts. And it struck me, you know, the wheels must be turning for, again, like I said, some of these guys, somebody in this situation views Alvin Kamara as a buy and somebody else views him as a sell. So we've kind of classified him here on the sell side because I saw that's, uh, how this trade went down for one of our users. But again, this is a player that I just simply think they're in conversations this week at the very least, and it could go in one direction or the other. In this case, Alvin Kamara was an interesting guy to liquidate. Cordero Patterson is RB7 on the season uh, in terms of half points, half point PPR points per game. So same format that Alvin Kamara is RB4 in. Cordero Patterson is an astounding RB7 on the season. Of course, that's only on 14 touches per game versus the 22 touches per game that Alvin Kamara has been getting. And obviously, Kyle Pitts is a top-shelf tight end moving forward here. I admire both parties in this deal. I admire somebody who's willing to liquidate one of their studs, either because they... uh, you know they they fear that the value of that player is about to come down, and they want to get out and ahead of that a little bit. And I also admire 
the other party here who is looking to go big or go home. They want to consolidate their players, much like we talked about at the outset of this podcast, this episode, to go after one of the biggest names in all of fantasy football because, once again, that is the primary mandate at this juncture of the season. The other thing is this is right before the deadline. You know, these guys, again, know that this is... There's a dwindling opportunity to, A, land that big fish, which is the number one priority here down the stretch, or B, to relinquish some of the players that maybe you still don't have full faith in or are giving you a little bit of a headache or you're uncertain about as they project towards the end of the season and towards the fantasy playoffs. So I think what happened here is you had one guy who was – Clearly, a, either a little goosey about where Alvin Kamara's value is headed, or he's identified that in order to be competitive down the stretch, he needs to improve his tight end situation. Mostly, he needs a couple of good players here. So he brings Patterson in. Probably feels like, at least in terms of the bottom line on the fantasy production, that's he's right in the pocket there with Dalvin, and now he's getting pits out of the deal. So again, this is somebody who's probably identified they need a more competitive starting lineup down the stretch. They probably didn't have an elite tight end and uh, they've made kind of a calculation here as to their opinion on Alvin Kamara and where his value's headed and you know what to make about Cordero Patterson so far on the season and look I think the other owner in this situation got out from a totally unorthodox scenario with Cordero Patterson that still every week has you a little bit reticent a little bit puckered up, shall we say. You know, you're still in such an unorthodox situation with Cordero Patterson that it's still fair to find yourself asking, you know, can I really rely on this type of production, on that volume, from this type of player in that role, you know, when my fantasy season's on the line? It's been a hell of a ride, but is this really, really, really what I want to buy into all the way uh, go a whole hog rest of season with here. So I, I think that both managers in this trade scenario made an interesting calculation. They both got aggressive. And I think they both made moves that were most likely relevant to their uh, situation. I mean, presumably the guy that traded Pitts, he's probably got somebody like Pat Fryermuth or Dan Arnold or one of these other guys that have emerged at the tight end position Maybe that he's fortunate with at this point, or who knows? Maybe he traded for somebody else elite. Maybe he bought Darren Waller or TJ Hawkinson or Travis Kelsey or one of these guys low uh, when he had the opportunity, and it's made uh, uh, Kyle Pitts dispensable for him. So he said, why the hell not? Let's go after Alvin Kamara. I like it. I like people with a winning mentality like that. That's how you're going to get it done, and it raises the – raises the question then, is Cordero Patterson also a sell at this point? You know, this guy sold Alvin Kamara. Well, somebody sold him Cordero Patterson and back in return, and we just outlined why. 13.88 touches per game for Cordero Patterson, 5.88 targets per game, RB7 on the season and half-point PPR. It's just a totally non-customary and unorthodox fantasy situation that – is less than ideal and historically would be very, very hard to 
project with confidence that this can continue. It's kind of a unicorn situation for Cordero Patterson. He's been very good. I think he'll continue to be very good. But as you look ahead, you're you're looking for more certainty here. You need guys that aren't going to screw you down the stretch. And, you know, traditionally more volume, the better when it comes to that line of thinking. I think, uh, you know, if you think you're living on the edge with Cordero Patterson and you want to relinquish the doubt and move to a more traditional player, now is the time. Clearly, as we've seen, he's earned enough legitimacy that he can move, be moved for a big-time player before the deadline expires. James Conner, running back Arizona Cardinals. Can you go after a monster player with him? 38 points last week for Conner. Chase Edmonds out. All the hype in the world right now surrounding James Conner. He gets Carolina this week, which is a really difficult matchup for fantasy running backs. Then Seattle, and then it's a bye for James Conner. No telling exactly when Edmonds is going to be back yet. We're hearing it's a high ankle sprain, but it could be not too long after they return from the bye. So can you pedal James Conner and another guy to a win-now team who needs multiple players this week in a consolidation deal for that other team's best player? Best and biggest name player. That's the only way to use James Conner right now. That's the only way I'd recommend using him, but I truly believe that it is possible to land a headliner in a deal where you give up James Conner. Naeem Hines, running back Indianapolis Colts, coming off his biggest game of the season. 10 touches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Is Naeem Hines the kind of guy that can be just even that extra throw in? Like I said, when you got to quote unquote overpay, just throw that extra guy in if you have to sometimes. These dudes on your bench are ultimately, we're getting to the point they're not going to do you that much good. Who cares if you overpay? Uh, because their value is going to decline in, in terms of what it's worth to you as we move forward. So no, why not see if at least just like throwing in a Naeem Hines coming off of 10 touches, 108 yards, and a touchdown on top of some deal is enough to sweeten the pot and get, get you over the hump. Uh, on a player that you like, you know, target a desperate team who needs guys to win this week due to buys or to injuries. Of course, we would lose no sleep parting with Naeem Hines, despite a nice matchup this week with Jacksonville, despite that Naeem Hines had a 45% snap count last week, one of his highest of the season, despite the disappearance of Marlon Mack back into the abyss post NFL trade deadline. This is a two-man show. It's Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. And despite the fact that Naeem Hines looks like a really good player, we are ready to part with him as a throw-in on a consolidation deal, as, the, as, as that extra piece, even if we have to overpay with him, just to put us over the top on a guy that we like more. And in fact, all of those features and amenities to Naeem Hines' recent fantasy profile that I just outlined, those should be your selling points. Melvin Gordon, another touchdown in Week 9. Another good game in Week 9 on the biggest biggest volume of the season for Gordon. I don't think his role is going to change drastically the rest of the way, even with all the Javante Williams buzz. Gordon still led the backfield in Week 9 in snap percentages and in touches. He's got a good matchup this week against Philly, and then it's a bye for the Broncos. You know, the buzz about Javante Williams, who's looked very, very good lately, it's totally warranted, the buzz from the industry types. But sometimes these industry types amplify that 
because they're such oh, purists and people who just love these young guys and the NFL draft prospects they put so much into scouting that they amplify this buzz and it permeates the public you know to a point that's go- that goes a little bit too far and in this case I think that could that could be happening Javante Williams getting a ton of buzz right now um it's it is warranted he's a good you know flex play uh, I don't personally think that it was going is going to cut into Melvin Gordon's share but this is just a it's a tough timeshare that's basically a 50-50 timeshare you know still a slight edge to Melvin Gordon here uh, I don't think Gordon is a bad keep as a flex but isn't he the type of dude dude you'd rather package for a big time player in turn if possible? And truthfully, the same goes for Javante Williams. Realistically, Daryl Henderson, running back, Los Angeles Rams. After big volume in week six and seven, he's been a sixty percent snap count on fourteen or fifteen touches over each of the last two weeks. Never got completely comfortable with, with this one as a Daryl Henderson manager myself. It's been a really nice ride. Certainly I've enjoyed all the spoils along the way. I think he's got plenty of good fantasy football and production ahead of him. But this is just one of those situations you never get totally... You sleep one eye open when you're depending on Daryl Henderson to take you to the fantasy promised land. Sony Michelle recently had 35% snap count. 10 to 11 touch guy the last few games. The Rams have a week 11 bye on the horizon and San Francisco this week. I Again, I'm sure there's still plenty of production in store for Daryl Henderson, but why not use him and another player as a bait, as a, as a just a irresistible bait and a consolidation deal for a much bigger, sportier fish out there in the fantasy football seas. Guys, you're going to have to get this done before your trade deadline. You'll have to do this deal this week if you want to move Daryl Henderson. He's got the week 11 bye. There's going to be very, very difficult to peddle him uh, in a situation where he has a bye imminent and your trade deadline is either expired or will be expiring most likely. Over on the wide receiver portion of the Week 10 fantasy football trade market, the sell side of that market, we will begin with rookie, exciting young rookie wide receiver of the New York Jets, Elijah Moore. Corey Davis is returning after missing a couple games uh, with the Jets. And it's been during that absence that Elijah Mitchell, a promising young rookie who many thought would have a breakout from the very beginning of the season, uh, has finally stepped up and kind of shown what type of chops he has, and he's delivered some fantasy production in the last uh, few weeks. There is a lot of buzz around Elijah Moore right now. Again, he's kind of an industry favorite. He's finally popping. That gets amplified after he's strung a few good games together here. People are finally saying he's arrived. Fact is, Corey Davis return imminent. Seven target per game guy is what Elijah Moore is. You've got Buffalo, a tough matchup this week. It's a bad quarterback situation in New York, and he still hasn't had a 100-yard game. I'd recommend moving on from Elijah Moore to greener pastures if possible. 
Speaking of greener pastures, what about, I think, is it gangrene? Is the Philadelphia Eagles, is that gangrene? Or is that the, is that the, or is that the, is that the, is that, the, is, is, that is that the just ugly, nasty old Philadelphia birds? Been a tough year overall for rookie Devontae Smith. Coming off his best game of the season, 116 yards and a touchdown. Still on only six targets for Devontae Smith. He's had four good games this season and five miserable fantasy games this season. It's a bit of a clown car under Nick Sirianni at the helm in Philadelphia as it pertains to the team and especially to the offense. Devontae Smith is a big talent with a big name. I think he's somebody you can still get people excited about especially coming off of this big performance in Week 9. I don't love his schedule between now and his untimely Week 14 bye. So if I could move on from him for a better name, I would. That said, he's not a must-sell. If you end up having to hold Devontae Smith, there's a silver lining. There is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. If you advance, if you advance to your fantasy football playoffs, again, understand your situation. It may not matter if you own Devontae Smith and don't ever get there, right? But if you do arrive in the fantasy football playoffs and you're a Devontae Smith manager, he does have two outstanding matchups against the Washington football team in store for you. Week 15 and Week 17 matchups that will make your little robot pants shimmy. So once again, Devontae Smith, not a sell. Assess your situation. But I think you can go after a bigger name, a better player with him right now. Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver, San Francisco 49ers. Lots of buzz after his best game of the season. Still, it was just eight targets and 89 yards. There was a touchdown involved, 16.55 fantasy points. I mean, is his season that bad that you get 16 fantasy points and people are doing cartwheels? I think he's having a little overreaction here. It's really only his second respectable game of the season. There's question marks surrounding... The quarterback situation, once again, in San Francisco, it looks like Trey Lance will probably be in sooner than later. What does that mean for somebody like Ayuk, who I think you can argue pretty confidently is no better than the third receiving option on this 49ers team. Donovan Peoples-Jones, actually one of my favorite sleeper NFL draft wide receiver prospects in recent years. Love to see him blossom from a real football perspective and for our fantasy football teams. He's had a couple of big games recently. But if you look behind the numbers, if you peel the Donovan Peoples-Jones onion back, he's only combined for eight targets in the last two weeks. Now, it was three touchdowns. And he did total 187 total yards over those contests. But eight targets... Three touchdowns, that's not a sustainable profile relative to the production that we've seen out of these couple of big games here recently out of Peoples-Jones. To be fair, with the departure of Odell Beckham and Jarvis lacking the juice this year, Jarvis, Juice Landry lacking the juice this year, you can understand why folks are foaming at the mouth over Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's got an opportunity here does look like he's sliding into a pretty clear wide receiver two role in terms of snap counts. But I say, I recommend, I implore you to try to capitalize on one of your big recent waiver wire pickups if you can. 
Last but not least, at the wide receiver side of the Week 10 fantasy football trade market, the sell side, Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings, averaging almost a touchdown every game this season. It would have been a one point. It would have been almost zero points for Thielen last week had he not scored a touchdown. He scored seven touchdowns in eight games this season. 8.25 targets per game on 47% touchdown dependency. It's just not a profile you you really love in fantasy. He's got a really tough matchup this week. And it's kind of that Kirk Cousins roller coaster effect. If you've had Kirk Cousins as a fantasy quarterback at all, you know he's got the good games and then he he mixes in a handful of bad games. And the receivers, you know, as Kirk Cousins goes, as the uh, 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 as these receivers go, right? They go as he goes. We've never been married to Adam Thielen. We don't want to un- undervalue him, though. So this is not a fire sale. It's not a short sale. But if Adam Thielen can be used to nab a better player, you should try to do it. Folks, we mentioned earlier that Alvin Kamara, uh, we saw the trade come through over on the message boards at rosterwatch.com. Alvin Kamara was traded in a very fair deal for Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts. Uh, So we covered Kamara, we covered Patterson. So the Pitts portion of that trade, I also think that that this becomes a potential buying opportunity on Kyle Pitts that we'll get to here in just a few minutes. But uh, you guys know that my favorite method uh, for trading for a tight end is to take the current tight end that I have, throw somebody else on top, and go after a more premier tight end in return. In this case, we've got so much buzz right now about Pat Fryermuth with his emergence in Pittsburgh. The guy looks like the real deal at tight end the rest of the season. You know, he's another rookie. Kyle Pitts is a rookie. Can you take Pat Fryermuth and another player and package them together and go get yourself Kyle Pitts? If you can, I would. We've seen the emergence of Dan Arnold in Jacksonville. A little sneak here, a little more under the radar. Maybe he's not getting the same respect in your league. But Dan Arnold looks like another very good tight end rest of the season, getting a lot of targets. If your league mates are able to understand that and they're not married to Kyle Pitts or whatnot, you know, I I, I think you could take a Dan Arnold. And, and this isn't just Pitts. This can be for an example of the big-time type of tight ends we'd like to go after if we could. Can you take Arnold and another player and package them together and go after a losing owner who needs two guys this week and get their get their star tight end in return? Maybe you can do it with Logan Thomas. I don't think so quite yet. He's still working on the sidelines at practice. I don't trust him when he comes back. Who knows what that situation is going to be. Probably doesn't have high marketability. Uh, in your league, just given his absence. But at the outset of the season, he had some really, really good numbers in terms of indicators, like his red zone usage and things like this were at the very top of the league. If you're, if the other managers in your league understand that, you know they may think getting Logan Thomas here in his return wouldn't be a bad tight end uh, to roster. So maybe you can use a Pratt Fryermuth, a Dan Arnold, or even a Logan Thomas, package them up with another good player. Maybe you can use those guys to go after a more premier tight end for the stretch run in return. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's turn the page here to the buy side of the Week 10 fantasy football market again. If we have to, we're liquidating to, you know, we're in basically in two camps at this point. We're either on the bubble, trying like hell, to win every week and get in our fantasy football playoffs. And we just have to do whatever that takes at this moment. If 
you're still a situation where you're not able to switch gears because you're in in that mode and you've got to still fill out a better starting lineup in order to win. If you got to be like the guy who shipped Alvin Kamara off for Pitts and Patterson, there's no shame in that. As a matter of fact, I have more respect for somebody who's willing to take a chance, get aggressive, and it, it truly shows you're actually an intelligent player. It's a sign of fantasy football intelligence uh, to realize uh, when you need to do that because it does. That's not that's not intuitive. That's not natural to want to get rid of your biggest players. But if you're smart about it, it can really help you out. And then the other side of that is for the teams that are look already looking ahead. Their mandate at this point is start shifting that player equity into their starting lineup as much of it as possible. They want as much of the value of their roster to exist in their starting lineup as possible. They want to increase that starting lineup to maximum uh, power. They want it to be as formidable as possible. You want it to be a cartoonish lineup, starting lineup, full of the biggest names in all of fantasy football if possible, that make your sit-start decisions no-brainers as you head down the stretch into the fantasy football playoffs. Uh, So some of the big names that we can go after, again, we always look for players on buy. That creates kind of an artificial purchasing opportunity. Uh, We see that David Montgomery this week is going into a buy with the Chicago Bears. Certainly looked good in his return, and his owners had to absorb all of that missed time, presumably. Uh, So they may not be uh, real bullish on parting with them, but there's a pretty good chance that managers of David Montgomery are – in a tenuous playoff situation, if you can pick them off for Montgomery, it could be wise to do it. Joe Mixon, Cincinnati Bengals heading into a bye. He's emerged as like RB6 on the season. It's been a really overall pretty good season for Joe Mixon. He's been scoring a lot of touchdowns lately, getting more involved in the passing game. The main thing that I've taken away is just that Bengals offense, it's on the verge. It has opportunity to be electric, and that's really paying off for everybody involved. I'd say if you can obtain Joe Mixon while he's on a bye, if you're a winning team, that's a winning move. Look, even if you have to overpay, I don't care. If you if you can absorb the bye, put him on your bench. I don't. You're not going to even – number one, we say most of the time when guys like this are even available, that's, that's the news. You're not going to get a discount on them. But in this case, even forget about the discount. Overpay for them if you're a rich – if you're fantasy rich and you can do it. Same goes for Saquon Barkley. If you're comfortable with his situation or you're a little less risk averse, you know, some of these moves you have to ask yourself, how much aversion to risk do I have? Am I I an aggressive player? Am I, uh, do I play more like a rock? You know, here we'll always recommend uh, an an aggressive style of play that's a notch or two more comfortable than, uh, than you may naturally be. You know, more uncomfortable than you may naturally be because most people's tendency is to be irrationally risk-averse. So we need to kind of counterbalance that a little bit and uh, uh, sometimes, you know, maybe push the limits of that covered zone. It'll really pay off for you. Dalvin Cook. Oh, and once again, Saquon Barkley on a bye and still injured. Again, a very ripe opportunity. His managers very well could be losing if you're a winning fantasy team, 100%, you should be going after Saquon Barkley this week with all your might. 
Dalvin Cook, a lot of uncertainty in the air right now about him. Again, this is going to come down to risk aversion. With this kind of situation, like how risky are you willing to play it here? And his, whether you want to pursue him or whether you currently roster him, these are the questions you need to ask yourself at, at this moment about Dalvin Cook. Um, it could really be where it's risky, but it could certainly be worth it, right? Already a bit of a buy-low profile kind of overall on the season for Dalvin Cook. I'm not sure his owners are all winning owners. They've absorbed a lot of missed time. Um, his owner might just be tired of losing and could be tired of these headaches with Dalvin Cook. You never know until uh, you have a look. I would investigate what's going on with the Dalvin Cook owner in your league. If you're a winning team that can afford to take the risk, you know, no risk it, no biscuit. Go big, go home. This is the kind of guy like... Fine, you got a good team, you're out in front, you want to make the playoffs, that's cool, but you want to win. You want to win your fantasy championship. And, um, you know, even if you're one of these guys that's going to, in first or second place, you think you're going to get a bye, you've still got to win a couple games in a row uh, to win the championship. And basically means, if all things are even, you've only got about a 25% opportunity to win the championship. So why not get aggressive? You really don't have that much to lose. Aaron Jones. Running back Green Bay Packers coming off a miserable five-point performance in Week 9. That's two out of three bad games for Aaron Jones recently in fantasy. And the one good game he had in Week 8 was really quite predictable. And you know, many folks feel that that was a byproduct of Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams being out that week. And really the numbers did bear that out because Aaron Jones got 11 targets in that Week 8 performance. And he's really been a little over a four target per game on the season. So that could be a little bit of a mirage. If you want to kind of uh, maybe adjust the week eight performance down a little bit because it was such an unusual scenario, then I think you can look back and say the last three weeks have been uh, definitely much maybe less than expected overall for Aaron Jones owners and you have to wonder if those guys are getting a little goosey now about the 14 touches per game that AJ Dillon has started to get recently I think Aaron Jones is mostly fine with Aaron Rodgers returning he's never been a super high volume player I think his owners are praying at this point he's going to be as good as someone like Austin Eckler on pretty similar volume a little little bit less target share uh, you know, similar, you know, somewhat of a limited volume type player. I tend to think Aaron Jones is going to be fine. That's why I put him on the buy side of this week's trade cast. I mean, these are the chances we got to be willing to take. No, we don't have perfect information. Some of it we got to take a calculated risk, and like we're willing to go to battle with Aaron Jones. Like I said, when in doubt, just think about all the biggest names of fantasy football. You'll rest easy at night, and it really is a simple way to think about constructing a team. Uh, that's going to put you in the best position to win and give you a great shot at a fantasy title. Uh, great matchup this week against Seattle for Aaron Jones. He does have a week 13 by looming. for So again, for owners who are on the bubble and might see that a couple weeks out in front here and they already have question marks in their head about where this is going with Aaron Jones, uh, I think there's a deal in the making. Here's an example of what I said at the beginning of this podcast is that some of these guys can kind of live on 
both sides of the market, right? You know, I, I try to place them in one bucket or the other, but a lot of times this just means that these are these are people, these are players that managers are pondering what to do with. And depending on a number of circumstances, it could the the trade value could flow in either direction. And so I want to bring Daryl Henderson back up. You know, we said he was in the sell side of the fantasy football market uh, because we've never gotten totally comfortable with him in terms of our long-term, uh, our, our long, long-term valuation, our long-term comfortability with uh, Daryl Henderson. Also, a little recent emergence of Sony Michelle and a couple of wins by the Rams. You know, when teams are winning, you hesitate to think they're going to really maybe they'll stick with what they're doing. All of that said, been a very nice season for Daryl Henderson. Uh, he, he he very much could have some plenty of nice production ahead of him here. And so what this means is there could be, it could be, depending on your league, depending on how he's valued, uh, he could be on either side of the fence here. It could be a situation that for all the reasons I outlined uh, why you want to sell him, none of those are definitive. It might be the exact reason that you can get a deal on the buy side of the market for him this week. I think you need to see kind of what's going on with Daryl Henderson. He's coming off that seven-pointer this last week. If you can have him for... A discount on Daryl Henderson, or maybe if you're liquidating and need two guys in return, I certainly think he's a reasonable player to consider that with. And once again, if you've just never been able to rest easy when thinking about uh, the long-term prognostications on Henderson this season, then I'd say this is a good time to think about eliminating that headache. Over on the sales, or the buy side, the Week 10 buy side, the wide receiver portion of the fantasy football trade market, we got some big-time names here for you guys. I think these are – look, we just gave you David Montgomery, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook. Those are some big-time running backs. We've got some big-time wide receivers here that I strongly recommend you pursue this week. C.D. Lamb, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver, coming off of a three-pointer last week. He's got his buy in the rearview mirror, a good schedule ahead. The Cowboys get Washington, the best matchup in all of fantasy football for fantasy wide receivers, gets them in week 14 and week 16. C.D. Lamb is just the type of player I'm willing to overpay for. The same goes for Amari Cooper. To a lesser extent, I like Lamb more, but it's fair to put Cooper in a similar conversation here. Also, folks have a fear of Michael Gallup returning. If you can get a deal on Amari Cooper... Or C.D. Lamb, you should strongly consider it. Tyree Kill, Kansas City Chiefs, a busto five-pointer in week nine. I've been telling you guys for maybe three weeks now, I think, that the Chiefs players in fantasy just don't feel untouchable right now. And certainly that's got to continue to be the case with Tyree Kill coming off of a five-point performance. That's the kind of nuclear option we want for the playoff run. Mike Williams, Los Angeles Chargers receiver, coming crashing down to earth the last month in fantasy. Truthfully, if you look back, including the bye, Mike Williams has had only one good fantasy game in the last six weeks. After such a torrid start to the season where he was wide receiver one, I think it's hard for people to imagine I think people still think of him as that. He's been one of the best fantasy wide receivers on the season, but the truth is it's been an ugly six weeks. 
for Mike Williams. It always makes me wonder when he's not performing at his maximum. He's the kind of guy you always wonder if maybe he's a little banged up. You just don't know about it. You know, we, we suggested very, very astutely that there would likely be a convergence with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams as the season progressed, just based on the target shares, based on the talent, based on everything we know about that roster, and it's exactly what's happened. So kudos if you listen to this podcast and bought Keenan Allen earlier in the season for cheap. I think you're feeling pretty good about that. However, now may be the time to consider doing just that same thing for Mike Williams. We are a little more weary about Mike Williams just based on the fact that he's only gotten five targets per game the last two weeks. That's a marked difference from what we'd seen earlier in the season. Some will say it would have to do with the coverages that the Chargers have faced in recent weeks. Uh, Whereas the situation with Keenan Allen was that even when he was underperforming earlier in the season, all along he was getting the, uh, the good target volume actually slightly better than Mike Williams, even during the good stretch earlier in the year. So that's where we'd say this scenario differs a little bit. Still, it's a juicy matchup with Minnesota this week for the Chargers wide receivers. We like the offense. We like Justin Herbert. It's not a foolproof move, but if I can get the right deal, I'm certainly interested in taking my chances on Mike Williams having a big rebound down the stretch this season. And then over in Cincinnati... We talked about Joe Mixon on the bye. This means that T. Higgins, this means that Jamar Chase. Chase coming off a little bit of a swoon here after he was just on absolute fire there for a few weeks. Uh, Maybe these guys are available. Maybe they can be had in your league. If so, especially Jamar Chase. I mean, you're certainly interested in adding those guys to your roster at almost any expense for the fantasy football playoffs. A lesser deal for T. Higgins could also get us uh, quite excited. He'd be a decent flex or a nice wide receiver three down the stretch if you're able to bring him home for a reasonable deal. Uh, We spoke about Kyle Pitts on the tight end market earlier. Two mediocre outputs in a row for Kyle Pitts. Still, the targets, the yards, and the snap count percentage are mostly there for the rookie tight end. I absolutely think he is a reasonable tight end target to go after right now if you're looking to upgrade uh, down the stretch. Once again, folks, it is time to arm up for the nuclear fantasy playoff race, the fantasy arms race. That's basically what this is. we got a couple of weeks left here until the trade deadlines expire, mostly around November 20th, so it's time to get Get in gear and start getting those last-minute deals done on your fantasy football trade market, and we really want to make it a number one priority, folks. When in doubt, go after the biggest names in all of fantasy football. Until next time, Roster Watch Nation, happy trading, and so long. <laughs>